listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. This sermon cites two pieces of poetry by Father Killian McDonnell, a monk of St. John's Abbey in Collegeville, Minnesota. First, the full text of The Elder Son, and then the closing stanzas of the father of the younger son, two parts of a five-part cycle based in the prodigal son from Swift Lord, You Are Not, published in 2003 by St. John's University Press. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. I'm really not quite sure why the lectionary had us read that short passage from Joshua, marking the end of Israel's 40-year sojourn in the desert, the cessation of the gift of the manna and the move into the land of promise, maybe on this fourth Sunday in the 40-day Lenten season. It's meant to reassure us that we're well on our way through toward Easter. I don't know. So I'm just going to set that passage aside. Focus on the parable of the prodigal, which is a bit of a dream text for a preacher. Or is it? I mean, given how familiar people are with this beautifully crafted parable, along with the parable of the Good Samaritan, surely Jesus' best-known story, is there anything new particularly helpful or insightful to be said? Well, given that challenge, I turn to two of my favorite mentors and influences. The theologian, monk, poet, Father Killian McDonald from St. John's Abbey in Collegeville, Minnesota, and the inimitable Robert Ferrer Capon. With such guides at hand, there is surely a sermon to be preached. So notice, first of all, the context. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. The Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. In response to their grumbling, Jesus tells three parables, three parables of lostness, one after another, first the parable of the lost sheep, then the parable of the lost coin, and then what could rightly be called the parable of the lost son. Taken together, the three fix those book-keeping, bean-counting Pharisees and scribes firmly under Jesus' gaze saying collectively, Are you so sure that you want to deny anyone God's mercy? Or, as Steve Bell has it in his song, Love is Our Way, You who teach the royal road is not for some. Shame on you. In Robert Capon's view, this parable of the lost son is an absolute festival of death. With the first death happening, when the younger son comes to his father and says, Father, give me now the share of the property that will belong to me. Bring out your will and give me now what will come to me when you actually die. 
kind of like, drop dead, Dad. I've got a life to live. The father divided his property between the two sons, basically dying to the life that he'd had, both as a landowner and a farmer, right then and there. Well, you know what happens next. The younger son is off to the bright lights of the big city, where he parties hard, lives the high life, and loses it all. To survive, he takes a job tending pigs on a farm, the ultimate degradation for a Jewish boy, and soon enough realizes that he is a dead duck. There is no life to be lived there, and in fact, the hired hands back home on the farm have a life considerably better than the one he's living there with those pigs. And so he turns toward home and begins to rehearse what he'll say to his father when he gets there. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now that's an admission of guilt for things he has done wrong. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's a statement of shame over who he is, which is a much deeper and more painful statement. Treat me like one of your hired hands. But while he was still far off, his father saw him coming. And here's Robert Capon's version of what comes next. The father simply sees this corpse of a son coming down the road, and because raising dead sons to life and throwing fabulous parties for them is his favorite way of spending an afternoon, he proceeds straight to hugs, kisses, and resurrection. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Orders are given that the fatted calf be killed. That's the third death. And now the camera zooms in on the elder son, who is just making his way back from the fields where he's been working. And that older son hears music, and he smells meat roasting, and then he gets word from one of the hired hands as to what is going on. Now I turn to Father Killian to give us a picture of that scene. So he's back, Stud the Magnificent, himself, him who you love. You put rings on his fingers, cloak him in silk, kill the grain-fed calf, call in the flutes so he nights away the defiances of day, dances deceit to your tambourines. Himself brings only pain, and you could not wait to be deceived. You expect it, bow beneath the blow yet again, and you weep. This idiocy of love is tacky. I fetch and carry. I wait to be chosen, reschedule my life for you. No coat of many colors, no gold for my fingers, no sandals for my feet, no fatted calf to bleed for me, no harp to pluck for joy. This son has yet to dance with friends around a pot of goat stew. Him you have loved, him. No, I will not come in. The bean-counting older brother 
is the one character in the parable who simply refuses to drop dead, to drop dead to a kind of scorekeeping that makes it impossible for him to see grace, even when it's staring him straight in the face. And so, the elder son's prideful bitterness, the father goes out into the yard to plead with him to come in and join the celebration. This isn't a matter of who is more loved or more favored. Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours, because at the beginning of the parable, Jesus had said he divided his property between them. He's already given the son the farm. He has nothing to complain about. Already yours, don't you see? But your lost dead brother is back and alive, and there's only one thing to do. Here, I'll again let Killian's voice be heard. Call in friends and foes. Blaze the night into day with torches. Push the chairs against the wall. Pluck the harps. Strike the largest timbrel. When the dead come back, you drink. When the lost are found, you dance. That is just where Jesus leaves the parable. With the father longing for the older son to drop his resentment, let go of his bitterness, and just come and join the party, pick up a drink, and put on his dancing shoes. And as he finishes the parable, I imagine Jesus fixing his unblinking eyes on those Pharisees and scribes, letting them stew a bit in the uncomfortable tension with which that parable ends. Jesus doesn't come out and say it straight up, but the message is there embedded in the parable. You who teach the royal way is not for some, shame on you. You can stay out in the yard, gentlemen, but what a shame it would be to miss the party, because truly this is the only real party in town. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church, or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.